from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back, everybody, into another edition of the Sideline Scoop with Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cootie. Well, how's it going this week? You've been hunting again. Did you, are you having any luck? I haven't. No, I, I saw my, my farmer still needs to pull the corn off the field. He has, I got to watch five deer kind of meander through the corn, but I couldn't see them because the corn's eight feet tall. So <laughs> I, I need to get the corn cut, but it's been good. Just the weather changing back to fall feels like actual football weather again now, even though it's going to be 70 degrees on Saturday but it's been a good week. How about uh, Halloween and trick-or-treating for the first time? You're, Oliver's getting to mm -hmm. that age where it's kind of getting fun now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was super excited about it. My wife made him this cardboard choo-choo train because after he watched the Boilermakers on Saturday, he wanted to be a choo-choo train. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But uh, he's big into choo-choos right now. And so my wife made this thing, and I was a railroad crossing sign, <laughs> and we went around, and he had a blast. The problem is I'm on this diet. And there's so much candy in the house right now that it's really testing my willpower. What, what kind of diet are you on? So me and a couple of my buddies, uh, Cody Ashy, play basketball or baseball here. Um, Cody Anthony owns a town, uh, gym in town, Kratos, and Sam Tavis, who also played for Wichita State baseball and then played in the league. We all decided we're getting fat and it's time <laughs> to lose some weight. So we decided we started an eight-week competition two weeks ago of who can lose the most percentage of body fat in eight weeks. So all of us are uber competitive, right? So I haven't eaten anything in like two weeks. I'm just constantly <laughs> starving, but I will win this bet. What are you down? I'm um, down nine pounds and oh. uh, just going to stay, keep chopping wood. Just keep eat, just keep riding that Peloton, keep drinking that water <laughs> and just not eating carbs past seven. Were you that guy when you were done playing? I mean, did you, was it hard for you to keep it on um, throughout the season? And then did you lose it really quickly when you were done? So it was hard for me to keep it on during season just because you're burning so many calories, especially in NFL season. I mean, you're talking 20 weeks and not including playoffs and training camp and all that stuff. And so, yeah, towards the end of season, I mean, I would eat disgusting amounts of food to make weight. But then when I ended up retiring, I had ankle surgery. So I was non-weight bearing for eight, four weeks. Then I had another ankle surgery, was non-weight bearing for eight weeks. So I got really fat. <laughs> I got up to like 3.30. And I remember like someone took a picture with me and posted it. And I was like, that's not okay. You can't, <laughs> you can't look like that. So I ended up hiring Angie, uh, Angie Ashy, who used to be Angie Albers. She used to actually a nutritionist here when I was here. She was a student nutritionist. And now she's got a fantastic uh, elite nutrition um, that uh, worked with me and got me down to about 280. So I'm working my way back down to 280 from 295. Got it. Okay, we've avoided it long enough. Uh, you sure? What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Anything? What are you up to? How was your week? Oh. Okay, um, kind of your big takeaways from the loss at Purdue, a game that I think we all thought going into it was a very winnable game and can't have four turnovers. You can't turn the ball over four times. Yeah, I don't care who you're playing. I mean, I don't care if you're playing the sister for the blind, deaf, and dumb. You turn the ball over four times, it's not going to be good. And what was really frustrating is I really felt like Adrian was kind of past this point, right? I mean, he's done so well taking care of the football through the air this year. I mean, he had the three interceptions, one of which was the fourth fourth down in Oklahoma where that dude made the most wild catch of And it ended time. up being a good play. It ended up being really good for us. But he just he didn't look sharp. He didn't look crisp. And he made poor decisions with the football. And when your quarterback does that, it puts you in really tough spots. I do think we need to talk about a little bit. The defense didn't play awesome. I think that although we've come to expect this dominant defense performance that we've seen really seven out of the eight weeks here. 
but they really didn't play great. The, they kept everything in front of them, but they just kind of dink and dunked us to death. I mean, we never got them off schedule. We never got them in third and 15s, or we never got them in second. I mean, they kind of lived right in that second and six, third and five, third and three. And really, they got the run game going with their guy Horvath, Horvath getting back. He's a good player. And so, I mean, it was an overall, that's a, that's a team loss. I mean, you can't really put that on just one guy. Yeah, the quarterback turned it over four times, but also we didn't really have many opportunities in the second half because they just kind of drove right down the ball, the field right down, or the ball right down the field and scored points. And that was one score game, but I think everyone who watched the game understand it was not really a one score game. Yeah, I forgot. We talked about this on Sports Nightly the other night. Just the discrepancy in the time of possession in the second half, especially because between, you know, there weren't many plays that the offense were. It was, you know, three plays, four plays. It was quick turnovers. It was quick, you know, turnovers on downs, whatever it might be. And so the defense is on the field a lot. I mean, how. And this team will be the first to tell you it's a team sport. We're not going to point any fingers and, and whatnot. But it's got to be a little bit deflating as a defense when the offense isn't – they're turning it over or they're not staying out there very long. I mean, I think it was 23 plays in the second half, which is crazy. It was like three and out, two plays interception, three and out, three and out, one play interception, and then finally you got to drive there at the end and put it together. And as a defense, it's definitely – especially if you get a stop, right – oh, we get a stop, or when we pinned them deep and we had a punt and the ball gets back at the 40 for us, and you're like, all right, here we go, and then to have it turn over and get right back out there, it's almost impossible to get yourself up time and time again. And as an offense, when you have that little plays, you get no rhythm. I mean, you have absolutely no rhythm running the ball, throwing the ball. You get three plays and go sit down for another six, seven minutes of game clock, which is really like 15 minutes to 20 minutes of actual clock, you really just kind of go back out there and you're like getting warmed up all over again. And so that's just a recipe for a disaster. And as a defense, you get wore out. I mean, I think it was 84 plays to our 56. And that's a lot of weeks in a row now that they played a lot. I mean, even with the bye week, I think, I think Michigan had uppers of 70, 80 plays. Minnesota had 60 to 70 plays compared. I think we've been, our play, I want to say that we've been outplayed. I don't, I don't know what the better word of plays wise, by at least 15 to 20 plays in the last three or four games, which is crazy. That can't happen. I know we're an up-tempo offense, but every defense is going to get wore down eventually. Okay, let's um, talk about some positives. Um, your guy, Nuri, mm. well, he gets put on scholarship. Awesome. Uh, it was his birthday on Sunday, and then earlier today he gets awarded a scholarship. I mean, we've talked so much about him. Nobody more deserving. I mean, what a great dude. He's coming. He's performed well. You've been very impressed yep. with what he's done since he's been uh, inserted into that starting lineup. But for him to get a, starting, uh, to get a scholarship, so, so deserving for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's deserved it not just off the field, on the field. I mean, he, that left guard position was nothing short of a, a merry-go-round, right? Guys on, guys off, a revolving door. And then Nuri came in and brought stabilization to a position that we very much needed it. And good for him, rightfully deserving. And I think I saw his tweet talking about how excited he is to go out and play this weekend. And I expect another big game out of him, and we're going to need it. Besides just him, uh, you know, I, I sat down and did a long conversation with Cam Taylor-Britt. And, um, you know, he – 
against Bell last week, how would you, I guess let's go back, and how yeah. did you say that Cam Taylor-Britt performed against a guy like Bell who's going to be playing on Sundays? And, again, that's, we, we talked a lot about how important that is to put together that film against guys that you're going to be seeing on Sundays. Yeah, I thought he played really well. Everyone was like, well, David Bell had 976 yards. I was like, yeah, did you watch the Iowa game? Did you watch what that man did to Iowa's defense? He had 250 yards and, like, three touchdowns. And we talked about it. It's crazy the amount of times, like, out of 24 games he's had – well over half of those have gone for over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, and Cam Taylor-Britt, there was a lot of good pass breakups. I mean, he had the one in the end zone where he pushed him out of bounds, good technique. He had the slant route that he knocked down. The one long play, I think, of 20 was a really well-covered route of a quick in, or not a quick, but a deep post. And it was a perfectly thrown ball, and Cam ta tackled him right away. And that was really the only time that I felt like he got a step on Cam. And Cam's playing really good football right now. I mean, he's tackling well as a force on the edge. And I was really happy with the Cam played. But again, this week's going to be another big test for him as you move forward against two of the best receivers in the Big Ten. So that's what I was getting at is, you know, he talked about kind of how excited the guys in the, um, you know, the defensive backs room, how excited they are for this challenge. I mean, as a player and, you know, you, you think about guys that want to play at the next level and, you know, competitors and to have this kind of challenge, I mean, you can get up for that, right? I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's exciting to be able to say, okay, let me see how I'm going to be matching up against this guy who people are already saying are going to be playing on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a chance to do that as a college player, you kind of get this measure, measuring stick for yourself, right? Whether what age you are, freshman, senior, it's like, okay, these are the guys that are moving on to the next level. These are the guys that I want to work my way up to be talented as or better than. You have to measure along the way. And so in this back end, I mean, Quentin Newsom, a young player, hey, this is what you're going to have to step up to, man. This is the standard of receiver you want to have to guard. Cam Taylor-Britt, you want to get drafted? Go shut down Olave, Shut down Wilson and prove why you should get drafted. And that goes across the board to any position. But you could say that about really this entire Ohio State team because uh -huh. this is one of the more talented football teams I've ever seen put together this year. The 2019 Ohio State team is still by far the best show I've ever seen on turf and live. But this Ohio State team will be the best team that – Nebraska's faced all year. Now, that being said, though, defensively, uh, the Ohio State defense, um, you know, they're obviously still very talented, but maybe not as good as they've been in the past. Maybe some opportunities for the offense to take advantage of that? Yeah, I mean, when you say not as talented, what's crazy is the standard of not as talented for Ohio State means, oh, you don't have a first <laughs> overall pick at defensive end and maybe right. a top five pick in the secondary. Like, that's the standard of mm -hmm. talent at Ohio State, which is insane to even think about. But they're young. They're a young group, and you saw them get bumped early in the year. But I will say Coach Day and them over at Ohio State have done a really nice job of developing that young group on defense that is extremely talented, but it's just getting more and more reps and they're playing more complete football as the years progress. But the way you got to attack this is by running the football and Penn state did a nice job of being physical in the run game. The big thing is when you get inside the 20 yard line and I break it down on tail of the tape this week, which comes out Friday morning, they're going to blitz zero you. When you get close inside, they're going to force you to get the ball out of your hand as a quarterback and make your receivers win one-on-one -on -one matchups. Purdue did it to us last week. Ohio State's going to do it to us this week. When we get in the red zone, we cannot settle for field goals. Um, that's the biggest thing. You have to score touchdowns to beat Ohio State. Ohio State's going to score. There's not a matter of if they score, it's when and how many. And that's just the way that Ohio State is. If we want to beat this team, we got to get down in the red zone, put up seven, but we also have to control the clock, and we can't go three and out. 
We've seen this team get up for, you know, yeah. teams that are ranked in the top 10 in college football playoff conversations. I mean, how much do you kind of expect them to show up and, you know, kind of bring their, their A-plus-plus game again because it's kind of what we've seen from them this season. I mean, this is a everything to lose for Ohio State, nothing to lose for Nebraska type of game, right? I mean, Ohio State's fighting to get back in the playoff. They know they're one loss away from not even having a chance of getting into the college football playoffs. So they've got everything to lose versus Nebraska. You're coming off two tough losses, bad losses, cut it loose, man. Let everything go, not from the coaching staff down to the, to the ball boy, right? Let everything go. Sell out this week because we got another rest week coming up next week with Dubai. This week, man, do everything possible to prepare yourself because this is one of those games that mistakes will compound what this could happen to you. You have to play clean against Ohio State. We put the ball in the other team's hands four times this week. They're going to score 50. That's just what Ohio State does. They take such great advantage of mistakes that other teams make and really make you pay. We have to play some of our cleanest football on the defensive side, no PIs, no deep shots, offensive side, control the clock, no turnovers to give ourselves a chance to beat these guys. All right, uh, players to watch, uh, offense, defense. You know, I'm really, I want to watch Adrian Martinez this week. I want to see how he bounces back from the tough outing against the Boilermakers. I know he's a tough kid. We love the kid here. Everyone in the state loves the kid, but how does he bounce back from a tough performance? We haven't really had to see him do it this year, right? We haven't really seen him come out and have the tough game and then come back out. But historically, he's come back and actually had pretty good games from when he's had tough games. So I want to watch Adrian Martinez on that side of the football on, on the defensive side of the football, it's going to be Quentin Newsom or Braxton Clark. Braxton Clark got in a little bit, but that corner opposite Cam Taylor Britt is going to get a lot of targets on Saturday. Whether it's Olave, whether it's Wilson, it doesn't matter. If you want to get tested, they're going to test Cam, but if Cam does well, they're going to come right back over to the other side with Newsom and, and Braxton Clark or whoever's their corner because he's the less proven guy. They're going to have to have big days. I did want to get into the quarterback a little bit since you brought up Adrian as your player to watch. I mean, we're, we're not in practice. We don't know what goes on from day in and day out in practice. But, you know, in Sports Nightly this week, we've had calls, we've had texts about, you know, wanting to maybe see, you know, some more uh, stats for Smothers, uh, you know, get some guys back there. But uh, Coach Lubick said this week is that it's unfortunate that a lot of the blame is getting put on Adrian. It's not all on him. But, you know, I think if if it comes to be a situation where there are some turnovers like that again, at what point do you maybe do call, go to the bench and maybe see if Smothers can get something going? Yeah, so by no means do I think that Adrian Martinez has lost the right to start football games. I mean, he is our quarterback. He's Nebraska's quarterback. He's earned that right. He's a four-year starter. He's been the reason we've been in games. That being said, the competitor in you has to understand you can't come off a performance like you had last week and think you're fully safe. I think that Frost and them have talked to him like, listen, if you turn the ball over four times, three times, you've now laid the groundwork for us to put someone else in. And Frost isn't afraid to. People forget he benched Adrian Martinez last year for Luke McCaffrey. He did it. He's not afraid to do it. I think he's now looked at Adrian and said like, okay, that door's been open now. That door has now been opened that we will put in Logan Smothers if you go off the rails here, but it's your job to keep. It's no longer, it's your job to prove why you should keep it. And that's why I'm watching him to see how he bounces back because he goes and has a bounce back game and leads us to a victory against Ohio State. All is forgiven. All sins have been abolished and you are now back to the front runner for the man here, right? I mean, that's all it takes and he's capable of it. All right, so three, three main keys. Oof. 
So my number one key is eliminate the big play for Ohio State's offense. That's what I mean. Penn State did a great job keeping them bottled up until all of a sudden two, three big plays in the second half are kind of what blew the doors off that game. And then when you're playing catch-up against Ohio State, it's never a good thing because their defense is really athletic to be able to rush the passer. And when you get in a two-score game where you're in an obvious passing situations, that's where they really make their hay. Um, number two, I touched on it, score touchdowns in the red zone. You don't know how many times you're going to get down there. When you get inside the 20-yard line, it's got to be seven points or nothing. I mean, field goals of this game are just not going to be able to do it. And then number three, take care of the football. Both sides of the ball. Get after it on offense. Get after it on defense. Get some short opportunities for our offense. But you cannot turn the ball over against this football team or else they will make you hurt in a big way. One thing I do have a lot of confidence in is the black shirts are going to bounce back because that's a group that has a lot of pride and have been kind of had a lot of confidence. And I don't think they were happy. I think they got a bad taste left in their mouth after last week. I mean, I think they do. I think they've got a bad taste after the last two weeks. I mean, really against Minnesota, they struggled at the end of the game there against Purdue. We didn't be able to finish out the game. I think that Shenander's challenged these guys. I think that this is a group that I'm not worried about rising to the challenge, but I do think that this group is going to be a fired-up group ready to go face one of the best offenses they'll see. All right, so that will do it uh, for this week's edition of the Sideline Scoop. We'll be on 11 a.m. kickoff. We'll be on uh, Facebook Live coming up about 10, wait, 9.30. 9.30. Uh, live from the sidelines, taking you all throughout warm-ups. And, of course, we've got Husker Game Day countdown to kickoff leading you up to kickoff with this one. And Jeremiah will be on the sideline for the radio call of this one. All right, uh, we will talk to you guys on game day. For Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. Thanks for listening. Go to the grid.